Good morning. So most people think college and professional coaches spend a lot of time actually coaching their sport. Um, and that's actually just a really small part of what we generally do with our time. And one of the big things that we do as coaches is we spend a lot of time evaluating. We spend a lot of time out evaluating. Especially if you're a college coach. College coaches, we have to do a lot of recruiting. And so we spend a lot of time evaluating athletes, watching video, seeing them in person. So I'm going to do a little exercise here. I want audience participation. Tell me what you think I'm looking for in a volleyball player. Skills. Somebody said height. Yes. Seven foot. I'll take it. Teachability. Interesting one. Good. Teachability. Leadership. I'm sorry. Speed. Yeah. I like fast ones, right? Slow is is not good. Fast is good. Somebody said height. Did anybody say jumping? Somebody said agility. Good. So of all of those, there's one that's even more important that I watch for. Um, and nobody said it yet. So let's see if we can. Sportsmanship is close. Commitment's a good one. Leadership's a good one. Somebody said, somebody said, wow, this is great. I love this. I've never had participation like this before in my life. Teamwork. Yes, those are all really good and very, very close. You've, you've all hit in and around it. So let me just tell you a story that might illustrate it. So there was an athlete that I was looking at that was pretty good. When I say pretty good, she was very good. So I went to watch and I, I like to watch if I really like them, then I really want to watch them closely because there are things like leadership and teachability, right? But there's one thing that I look for that hasn't been mentioned. And if it has, you can tell me afterwards. I want to see how they treat their parents. I want to watch how they treat their parents. Because I've noticed something about volleyball players. Um, if they treat their parents with respect and honor, they're going to be a good teammate. They're, they're going to be teachable. They're going to be coachable. Right? So if you, want, if you want to get knocked right off my list, and this, this has happened a number of times. And if you've, if you've been in around the club sports scene, you've probably seen this. Where a player is on a timeout or between games and the game's about to start and the child starts yelling at the parent to go get them water right out. And I've had some players that I'm like, yeah, I would like them. But oh no, I'm not taking that one. Because how you treat your parents in many ways is indicative of your character as a person. It's very much an indicative, an indicator, excuse me, of your character as a person. And I'm going to make a suggestion, even our decline in our culture right now, in terms of the crime and all the problems that we're having in our culture, many of those stem right back to the loss of the family as the basic fundamental unit. So today we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to take a second to kind of catch up because we've been, due to the schedule and how things have played out, we've been kind of bouncing back and forth. And so I kind of want to catch us up. But um, today, um, if, if I hadn't had to backfill last week and jump back into the 
middle of chapter five. Today would have been the third week in a row that we would have been dealing with family, God's plan for the family, God's plan for marriage, God's plan for children and, and, um, and parents. And so there, I need to kind of catch up a little bit of context, but let me kind of place our verse. Let's read it first, then we'll put it into its context, and then I'll talk you through the points I want to make this morning. So Ephesians chapter uh, 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we look to you to know how to live our lives, I ask that you would be working in our lives to help us to submit to you. Lord, there's a lot of ideals that we break and we have to try to compensate for those things after the fact. Help us to work through those hard processes and submit to you. Lord, soften our hearts. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and feet and fingers to obey. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book of Ephesians, first half, fairly doctrinal, right? Lots of application in there, but fairly doctrinal, talking about this thing called the church, the body of Christ, this thing that started at Pentecost and moves into infinity, where through Christ, we are made one new body. All the peoples in the world, there's no slave, no free, there's no male, no female, there's no Greek, no barbarian, right? There's no Jew, no Gentile. All of those things were come together into this new body. And then he starts to say, because of this calling that you have, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, walk worthy of the calling. And he uses this term walk. And we talked about that. Walking is not kind of like getting on a treadmill and going. Walking is living life. Walking is living life where, in a sense, that it's kind of dangerous. Because if you go the wrong place at the wrong time, you might get mugged. Or if you go at the right place in the right time, good things will happen. And so walking is this metaphor for life. And he says, walk in a manner worthy of the salvation that I've given to you. I pulled you out of the muck and mire. I cleaned you off. I made you my child. And I placed you into this church body. And I want you to walk in a way that's worthy of that. Live up to that calling, as it were. Last week, we talked about walking wisely. Paul says that we are to walk in wisdom. And... Actually, the, the section we're in is just a continuation of that walk in wisdom because he says basically at the end of that walk in wisdom section in chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, in 21, he says, as part of that walking in wisdom and being filled in spirit, he says that we are to submit to one another. And then he gives all of these submission relationships after that. He talks about husbands and wives. He's going to talk here now about children and parents. And so today, as I sit here and talk to you about submission and authority in the parental relationship, that's a continuation of how to walk wisely in the world. Wise people submit to authority appropriately. So I'm going to talk to you in three points today. I want to talk to you 
from about the wise family structure, wise family structure. Then I want to talk about God's design for children and then God's design for parents, particularly fathers. So I want to talk about those three points today. The first point is kind of a summation of the passage and a kind of review of what's been taught in the scriptures. Um, if you remember a number of weeks ago, Jeff um, Kullinger stood up and did an incredible job of laying out God's plan for marriage and the family from Genesis. If you haven't heard that, I would recommend strongly that you go and listen to that because that sets a wonderful foundation for Christian marriage. And then Pastor Chuck, a number of weeks ago, can't even remember the exact number, did a great job of laying out the husband and the wife relationship, that God has structured the husband in the home as the leader, the spiritual leader of the home who loves his wife and makes those decisions and makes those tie-breaking votes in a manner that is most loving to his spouse and his family and leads when it's hard to lead. Today, now, then, we come to uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and he adds to that, and here's the basic fundamental structure of the family. The parents lead and the children follow. It's so simple. Parents lead, but children follow. But let me just be really, really honest with you. Um, I think a number of people in our culture, and maybe even on our church, hopefully not, believe that their job as a parent is to have their child like them. You know what I mean? If your job as a parent is to have your child like you, you will ruin your child. If you think that your job as a parent is to get your child to like you, you will ruin your child. Your job as a parent is to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And sometimes, not just sometimes, that's a lot of saying no. That's a lot of saying no. And so that's the basic structure. The basic structure is the, the parents lead with the Husband being the spiritual leader in the home who takes time and mentors his wife and his children and raises his family up in a way that reflects the leadership of Christ and the church. One thing that I really appreciate about what Pastor Chuck pointed out, he pointed out that the Christian marriage is designed to be a reflection of the mystery of Christ and the church. And I would suggest to you that the greatest way that we could testify in our community is to have biblical families and those families live and occupy the city and to show people what it means to be a Christian and a Christian family. And that ought to be our goals today. Now, before I really get into it, though, let me make a few disclaimers because today is probably going to be a hard day for some of you. Because there's a lot of stuff in here that's God laying out the biblical pattern for most people and or what is the ideal. But then we have situations that we all know of and people in our church are there where it's not, you don't fit exactly how this plugs in. Let me give you an example. If you're a single adult or maybe even a couple without children, you might feel a little bit sad today. And we understand that. 
And what we would say to you is God has a plan for you. And just because I'm talking about 80% of the people in a congregation, that doesn't mean we don't have a place for you here in this church. We want to be your family. We want to be a place that you can connect and plug in and feel like you have a family away from your natural family. Another thing, single parents, right? Single parents. It's hard. It might be hard because you may not have the husband in the home helping you raise your children. Or you may not have a wife in the home helping you raise your children. And so this might be a challenge to you. God can help you too. And we want to be a resource to help you. We want to be the kind of church that comes alongside you and is able to help you when you need help and to work and walk alongside you through some of those trials of being a single parent. And we want to help you follow God's pattern as closely as you can. And we want to be a place that is loving and accepts you and helps you do that. And then another one, and this may be the, one of the hardest situations. If you have a blended home and you are a parent, but not the natural parent of a child, it's probably going to be very challenging for you to move in and try to fulfill God's pattern of leading in the home or disciplining in the home. But God calls you to do that. And that means it's going to take a lot of hard thinking, praying, getting wisdom, and then negotiating, in in some instances, even negotiating with your family and developing to the point where you can function in a biblical way. And we want to help you do that. And we have plenty of people here who can walk alongside you in that and can give you advice and to give you encouragement along the way. And so we want to do that for you. So if you don't fit the pattern here 100% because of something in your past, that's okay. We want to help you do your best to fulfill God's pattern. Does that make sense? All right. So now, point number two. Point number two. Let's talk about children walking wisely. Two things. Children obey and children honor. Children obey and children honor. Let's look at chapter six, verses one through three. Children, obey your parents sometimes. Oh, wait. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is okay. No, this is right. It's the word for righteousness. This is just. This is right. This is proper. This is fitting. So the first thing we have to do as children is we need to learn to obey. And this isn't the word for little children. This is the word for offspring. This is the word child. All right. So there's, there's, there, there is a time limit on it in the sense that as when you become an adult and you leave, now you become an authority for your family and for your life. But this is talking about if you're in the home as a child, your responsibility is to obey. Your responsibility is to obey. But, but you don't understand. They're so ridiculous on what they want and don't want me to do. We'll talk about that for your parents here shortly. But as a child, your job is to obey. Even when, even when they want me to do bad things, nope, that's the exception. The, the scriptures are very clear. There's always these umbrellas of authority. And our first as a child, our first umbrella of authority is the family. And that first umbrella of authority, as long as they stay and within their umbrella of authority and don't tell you to do something that's either illegal or morally wrong, then you have every obligation to obey. 
yeah, but I, I don't want to change my clothes. I don't want to go back up and put a different shirt on. I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to do my homework. I don't want to. I know it's hard. Look, and here's the thing. Our culture has extended childhood. And I'm not sure that's always been the greatest because here's what's happening. When you hit puberty and you go through all those changes that you go through, your whole body designed by God is telling you, I want to be my own person. I want to be an independent person. And guess what? It's not an option until you're out of the house. It's not an option. And I'm not saying that without compassion because I went through it. (laughs) And I lived through that, and I had to. I had to. I, I had a really easy family to, to live in. But even though your whole culture and body and everything about your life is telling you it's time for you to be independent, you need to honor your parents by obeying them. Now, we can talk about the ridiculous stuff. Maybe sometime you go, okay, Dad, I think that's silly, but I, I'm going to obey because I'm supposed to, and I want to respect you. You want to see their jaw drop? Just say that one time. Right? And then come back to it later and go, can we negotiate this? And they might actually listen to you because you've been reasonable, right? And you've been submissive and, and obedient. So unless your parents are telling you to do something that's wrong, you have an obligation to obey. Right? But that's not actually the... The Ten Commandments, right? The the Ten Commandments don't say obey your parents. It says honor your parents. And Paul says honoring your parents is a subset of, um, excuse me, obeying your parents is one way that you manifest honoring your parents. So you obey. Now the next one actually hits all of us because I don't think this next one actually ever stops because we're to honor our parents. We're to honor our parents. And there's no time limit on this one. But that's the, from the Ten Commandments, right? Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. What does it mean to honor? Well, one part of it is it's to hold in high esteem. So part of it is an internal thing where you hold your parents in high esteem. Another thing is that how you speak about them publicly Right? How do you speak about your parents publicly? Do you disparage your parents publicly? Now, let me just be really blunt. For some of you, maybe honoring your parents means not talking about what they did. Right? Because some of us have had bad parents, really bad parents. Some of you experienced abuse of different kinds. And those things are not funny, and those are real, and those are life-scarring. And yet somehow God calls us to honor those parents even as they age out. And for some of us, like I said, it might just be not talking about what your parents did or didn't do for you. But we're still called to honor them. Another way that we're supposed to honor our parents is we're supposed to take care of them financially if they need it. Now think about this. We have a culture now where everybody takes care of their own retirement, right? So in an agrarian culture, what did you do as you got older? Did you have 401ks? No, as you got old and blind, you just kind of did little stuff around the farm and the house that helped take care, and you carried your weight as much as you could. And if you were blind, then maybe you just sat there and you sharpened knives for your family. You see what I mean? Right? 
But we, we've, we live in a culture now where it's easy for us to go, oh, that's their responsibility because financially, they should have done a good 401k. They should have had a good retirement program. They should have been paying into the pension. But honoring our parents, and this just isn't self-serving because I have this running joke with my daughter. I'm like, you know, you're taking care of me when I get old, right? She's like, in the home for you. And then she's always like, no, dad, I would never do that. And I'm like, you may have to someday if I get really bad physically or mentally, right? So don't say that, but thank you. I appreciate it. But, it's a, but it's, it really is this running gag, right? But the truth of the matter is some of us may need to physically or financially support our parents. We need to make sure that we just don't dump them in a corner somewhere, in a retirement home somewhere, and not talk to them and not honor them and not spend time with them and not visit them and... We need to honor our parents. We need to honor our parents. The older I get, the more self-serving that sounds. (laughs) But it's true. If you're not willing to take care of your family, you're as bad as a pagan, Paul says. Let's not do that. So as adult children... Now, but younger children, you can still honor your parents. How do you talk about your parents, teenagers? Dude, my parents suck. Or do you do your best to honor your parents? Do you buy them that silly card on Father's and Mother's Day or ties as it used to be? My dad, poor dad got a tie every Father's Day. But we're to honor our parents. We're to honor our parents. This is very convicting for me, just because my mom and dad live in Colorado with my brother, and um, I should call them more, and I don't, right? But I need to call them more. So me, I, I just need to do that because I want to honor them because I had very honorable parents. One story: um, my dad. Um, was a fuddy-duddy to me when I was younger. But I, we used to travel around because I'm a missionary kid. So we used to travel around a lot, drive around. And no joke, when the, like this is, and we were traveling across the West where you see cars. We see cars for all over the place. Uh, for, uh, no cars for miles and miles on these old highways out West, right? And my dad, the, the speedometer was at 55 miles an hour, just like, and he didn't even have cruise control. Like his foot was the cruise control. And I would sit there and go, dad, dad, can we go faster? Like we got like 150 miles to the next rest area and I got to go to the bathroom. You know what I learned from him though? And I, I don't walk this out as close as I'd like, but you do what's right. And my dad modeled for me, you do what's right. All the time, even when it's inconvenient. So we honor our parents. So we honor our parents. But now we have a third point to talk about. Parents, as wise parents, we need to discipline our children, right? We need to discipline and raise our children right. And it's really interesting to me because this text basically doesn't say anything about moms 
And I'll be honest, I think that's not because moms don't have a role in discipline. We clearly do. I think it's because he's just assuming that moms just naturally do the raising and disciplining thing pretty well. But guys, mm, we struggle, don't we? So he says this, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Wow, why start with the negative, Paul? Well, it's probably because we need it. And some of us have experienced this. Some of us have experienced parents who are either, fathers maybe, who are are either, um, most of the time it's well-intentioned because they want the best for us. But at times they can just be so strong that they frustrate us and, and cause us anger, right? And God says avoid that. Because we're not trying to punish, we're trying to discipline. If it's just about punishment, whatever. But if it's about discipline, then it's about working with the child individually so that you know how to best correct and encourage them in the right direction. My son and daughter were very, 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 very different people. Very different people. And if I had taken the same route disciplining Danielle as I did Andrew, it would not have worked well. So if you're spanking or giving a, right, paddling or however you describe it, are you there to satisfy the frustration that you have by spanking? Or are you trying to use the bare minimum force to see them break emotion, right? Those are two very, very different things. And for some, a look is enough. For, at times, when my daughter was young, I just needed to look at her and she was like, straighten up and fly, right? I'm not saying we did it perfectly, but we worked really hard at individualizing our discipline based on each child's personality and then watching them to see if I hadn't pushed it too far and went into the area of exasperating, right? Because discipline is counterproductive if it's exasperating to your child, right? And there were times when I had to apologize to my son and I said, you know what? I don't think that was right, best choice and we are gonna let you go to that youth group activity. By the way, not the best way to punish kids keeping them from church, right? One good reason to repent on that one, but you get the idea. But there was times I just sit down and go, you know what? I think that was a little too harsh a punishment. You know what? We're going to pull it back, but here's why. God calls us to avoid angering our children because that's counterproductive. And in the long run, it's spiritually harmful. And some of us may have to sit down and apologize to our children and just go, you know what? Dad blew it. Mom blew it. I was thinking this, but you know what? Now that I think about it, I think this is better. Now, I still want you to obey. I still want you to honor. I still think this is an important mistake that you made, and I want you to correct that. But I may have reacted too hard. And my basic way of trying to apply this was watching the kid and going, okay, do I see, do I see a heart of repentance coming out? As soon as I see that, boom, I'm good. 
So fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, this is a, both a positive and a negative, right? You have the discipline, and, but you have the instruction, right? As dads, I think Paul's talking to us because we have the propensity to, uh, to in, in, even though it's well-intended, to just stick to the negative stuff, right? We, we only talk to them when they do something wrong, okay? What this command essentially is to do is to spend time, quality time, discipling your children. As parents, as fathers, we need to spend quality time discipling our children. So I have this kind of a running joke with my children. If there's a game that I absolutely hate, it's Uno. Anybody know the game Uno? I just, I love strategy games and any game that just, I'm just flipping cards that I, oh, I got to draw a four. Right? It feels so random to me, but, I, but I've, I have a statement with my grandkids, Solomon in particular. Um, I will spend hours playing Uno if that's what Solomon wants to do. Now, I'm hoping they just never get him the game. It's not going to come for me, but I have a feeling as much as I've joked about it, there's going to be Uno cards all over our house. And that's okay, because for me, that will be the opportunity for me to get down on the ground at their level and interact with them and show that grandfather loves them. Jisan is what they're calling me, um, that Jisan loves them. And it'll give me an opportunity because they will know that I love them so that when I want to move into their lives with some positive or negative comments that help them grow, I will have built the credibility and the, the, the ability to take an emotional withdrawal, if you, if you want to use that kind of terminology. But it can't just be playing games, right? It's got to be talking about the Lord. It's got to be talking about the Lord. So as a father, do you just come home, sit at the table, and does everybody pick out your tablets or phones and just start, or are you sitting together and eating and communicating, right? When you get in that car for a long ride, does everybody just immediately, you put your podcast in your ears and mom does this and kids do that and now you put the movie in the back and nobody interacts or are those moments that you can take to build into your child's life? We need to be highly intentional about moving into our children's lives and mentoring them. Moving into our children's lives and mentoring them. And some of us may need to go, you know what? I haven't done that. And I, I will be the first to tell you, when I come home from long day work, I don't necessarily want to pour into other people's lives. But God calls me to do that. I need to walk in that. I feel like I've been doling out, I feel like uh, Dr. Phil or something up here, doling out all this advice. Let's talk about some applications, though. Let's talk about some applications. Application number one, parents, structure your family according to God's pattern. Right? 
Do your best. Remember, God's design is one man, one woman come together, have a family, and that to be parents lead and children obey and honor. So try your best to structure that. Some of you may be single parents and you have to figure out how to do that by yourself. Avail yourself of the help that we as a church can offer you. Avail yourself of advice. Avail yourself of maybe if you're a single mom, finding a mentor for your son from the church or something like that. But do your best to try to structure your family according to God's pattern. And for those of you, if you are contemplating divorce, God's calling you to stay together. Unless you have some sort of a physical or sexual abuse happening, you need to stay in that marriage and do your best to make it work for the sake of your children. For some of us as fathers, we might need to sit down with our wife and go, you know what? I have not been living up to this pattern and I wanna do that. Can you help me do that? And you might need to sit down with your children and go, you know what? Dad's kind of blown it over the last few years and I want to, I want to make this right. And so it's going to be hard, but I want to work to be a godly father and I want to move into your lives. And it's going to take some time to adjust for your children to get used to you actually being a part of their life. But That's going to be worth your time. Some of you may be blended families and you're going to have to figure out, okay, how do I negotiate being a father or a mother to a kid that has no reason why they would want to obey me. And you're going to have to build into their lives and build into their lives in the knowledge of how a biblical family works. And you're going to have to negotiate that and avail yourself of the wisdom that God can give you and God can give you through your fellow church members. Application number two, children, obey your parents. It's tough. It can be tough, and I get it. But honor them. You can always go back and negotiate after you've obeyed, right? You can always go back and talk about it after you've obeyed. Children, honor your parents, application number three. No matter how hard we need to honor our parents, excuse me, honor our parents. And that can be anything from speaking highly of them, holding them in esteem, to taking care of them in their old age. Number four, fathers, stop exasperating your children. We need to stop exasperating our children. We need to know how we're disciplining in such a way that we don't frustrate them and make them angry at you because that in turn kind of makes them angry at God. And then five, fathers, spend quality time discipling your children. Find out what your kid likes and do it with them and then build into their lives that way. You might not like making model airplanes. Make a model airplane. You might not like playing Uno, but get down on the floor and play some Uno with that child and build into their lives. I don't want to sound overly drastic here, but I do think that our culture is really hurting because we haven't had an overabundance of biblical families. And I'm going to make a suggestion to you that we can increase our testimony and witness in this world if we will be a church of people that strive to live out the biblical principles of parenthood and fatherhood. And if we do that, we're going to continue to shine in this world. And that'll give us opportunities to speak. 
and that will give us opportunities to speak. I pray that God will work in our lives to do that. And if you need some advice on how to do that, there are, we have plenty of great marriage mentors. We have a class for young parents of Parakaleo, which is designed to help you as a young parent learn how to do these things and get encouragement from others who are going through the same frustrations as you are. So avail yourself of those things. Let's avail ourselves of those things. Amen? Father, thanks for this day. You are good. You are good to us. Lord, you came to redeem us from our sins. And in so doing, you give us the opportunity to restore the relationships that you've designed for us to have. Help us to do that. Help us to live out your will for marriage. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.